Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we get the inside take from actors, artists, and creators on their work, career, and the things they obsess about. I'm your host, Connie Guillermo. When award-winning journalist Tamron Hall and the crew on her daily talk show on ABC returned to the studio after working from home because of the pandemic, Hall said she knew she wanted to take a different approach, shifting from what she says was an entertainment focus to more of a news and news you can use focus. As she gets ready to host her 500th episode on May 12th with guests Arsenio Hall and Kim Fields, I asked Hall about some of the candid conversations she's had. We also talked about her becoming a mother right before pandemic lockdowns and how she's now fascinated watching her three-year-old son process the world and seeing how his mind is developing. Well, thank you, Tamron Hall, for talking to us. I want to start by asking you about the last two years. We've lived through a pandemic. You've been very open. I've read some of the interviews talking about what it's been like to be a new mother with a son who's only seen... uh, Visitors with masks, that must be a very weird reality for a child, and who also hasn't had a lot of play dates, but you're also managing a career. You've started a show that you had to navigate through this. So can you tell us just a little bit about some of how your life has changed and how you've coped successfully through the past two years? Well, I think my life has changed in the same way yours has and everyone else. It's, it, it's, a, it's an explosion, a grenade that none of us saw coming, right? If we did, we would be the most powerful person in the world, right? And so for me, it was first and foremost, processing the reality of something that none of us understood. The second, protecting family. That includes my son, my mother, who is a widow and protecting myself and the show, right? This this is what I do for a living. This is my occupation. And so we pivoted the show from this entertainment uh, focused show to a new show, if you will where some of our first guests were some of the most incredible people that I've ever interviewed, which included um, a woman who was among the first to nationally sound the alarm about the number of cases within the Black community. Her husband had gone to get his hair cut at a barbershop, died of COVID. And she went on um, this very bold mission that started with our show to say, this is serious in our community and we must you know, sound the alarm. So we pivoted the show to a space of, of being um, of value to where we all were. And it's a bellwether because if you turn on your television and you see Tamron Hall and you see guests and you see people smiling and laughing and talking about what we survived and what we're still going through and you see that common thread, it's of value. And so I then saw the show as a bellwether while juggling the realities of my own home life, which was a child who, when the pandemic started, was still on formula. I'm a first-time mom. I had no idea that you'd go from formula to real milk at age one. I'm like, wait a minute. Why is it that I feel like I see kids walking around age two with formula? No, no, no. So I live in the city. Groceries were hard to come by, no matter who you were. And then 
the the source of information, which often is on the playground, right? Other moms that you meet at school or at the gym, I didn't have that. So there were so many things I didn't know about motherhood that now I'm isolated in my own home trying to figure it out. You've mentioned the show Pivoting, and I think that's super fascinating. And I want to just call out for our readers, it's you've won Emmys for this show. You're about to have your 500th episode, I believe, next week. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank and you. it's really based on candid conversations. I think that's even a term that you guys use, candid conversations. What kind of conversations do you feel that we need to have now? It's been a crazy, <laughs> I, you can use whatever adjective you want to describe mm -hmm. the past few years, both socially, economically, politically, from a health perspective. We've gotten a lot of news. You know, there's a war going on in Europe. Mm -hmm. There's some news about women's rights that have come out. But I'm just curious, as you sit down and think about the kinds of conversations we should be having today. Some people are turned off by the news because they've just been overwhelmed by a wave of negativity and a lack of trust in people delivering that news. So as you think about, you know, the year, the rest of this year and this important milestone, 500 shows, again, fabulous. But what is going through your mind? Is this a moment that you might be resetting some of those things? No. Well, I look at it this way. Life is not an agenda. You know, people have agendas. Life is not an agenda. So I don't approach our show with, this is what we should be talking about. Because if I am saying to you, this is what we should be talking about, I am now putting my agenda on you. There are so many things I don't know about every day that turn into powerful conversations and productive conversations. Some are hurtful. Some are inspiring. You know, life is layered. And, 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 and for me, that's how we approach this show from day one. And even now, that can't change. Um, there's a, a phenomenal minister, Reverend William Barber, um, and he's fantastic when it comes to voting rights and sounding the alarm about different laws uh, in place or coming that could affect who gets to vote fairly in this country. And he said, and it's something that sticks with me, if you tell your children these are the worst days you, we have seen, you are now ignoring everything of the past you're ignoring that the world saw the atrocity of the Holocaust and while acted late, acted. So when we're watching Ukraine and wondering what to do and how to get through this, that's not an original feeling. It's not a good feeling. It's not original. When the United States said, well, half of the United States said, we can no longer use humans as slaves, it divided the country. We survived that. My grandfather grew up in 19, oh, was born in 1901. He's a sharecropper who could not read. Me struggling to get my show up and running is nothing compared to what he survived. So I, I walk with great perspective on things. Um, and, and it's because that's how I was raised. I was raised by a 19-year-old who went home alone, a single mom, and married my stepfather who served in the army, who served for 30 years. He joined because he was a 14-year-old busboy and could no longer take being treated the way he was treated at the restaurant and forged papers to fight for the United States of America. So I, I live in a space of great perspective. Like I said, you, you've interviewed many, many people over the past few years. Can you give us a few examples of people who surprised you, that took you by surprise conversations? 
Oh, wow. Many, many people. Um, and, and not only celebrities, right? I mean, I end up crying. My team, they're always on the ready with tissues. I, I, I absorb people. And one of the things that I, I love in people and I, and I aspire to have every day in my life is curiosity. It's the number one trait. Um, I think curiosity makes you kind. I think it makes you understanding. It allows for compassion. I obsess and look for curiosity in every human being that I'm in contact with. And for me, um, I walk in curious about every show, every guest, but there are some people, I was, Halle Berry, she was incredibly open about, there was a moment where she said something about a project that she wanted to do. And I said, but you're Halle Berry. And she said, but I'm still a black woman in Hollywood. And you're thinking, wait a minute, of course you're a black woman, but you're Halle Berry. Because you hope that at some point accomplishments can transcend, right? not race because I'm unapologetic who I am. And I do want you to know I'm a black woman in my history, my culture, but I hope that it, when I walk in and I have a product in my show, you see a talk show and to hear her say, no, I'm Halle Berry, but I still walk in and there are some people who still see a black woman and not as a compliment, right? Not as an additional wonderful thing about her and what she can bring to the table, but instead something that makes them not want to invest in her project. That was very, um, that was very shocking and, and, and uh, very vulnerable of her to do. So that, that was a recent moment that I thought about. We just had Jane Lynch on. We talked about the best advice. Um, the whole show was about the best advice you've ever received. And she said her father, Frank, gave her advice. And this was great. Always buy more than you can afford, which is like Susie Orman is like, wait a minute. And she said, he, his thought was it would make you aspirational, buy a house a little bit more than what you can afford, buy a car, whatever it is, and you'll aspire to keep wanting more. And she said later after her father passed away, her mother said, he never did that. I don't know why he gave you that advice. <laughs> That's genius. <laughs> Taryn, what's the best advice you ever got? I'll go for the job that you really want. In fact, we had um, the man who gave me that advice 30 years ago. He was a guest on our show. He was a cameraman. I worked at a cable company, a very tiny cable company. It was like a garage, five people in Philadelphia. And all of my um, peers at Temple University were interning at the big TV stations, right? You know, I'm going to be the intern for the major anchor there. I'm going to get coffee and then someone will discover me and put me on air. And I was like, that's probably not going to happen. That was the belief. I'll intern my way up. Well, for me, I got an opportunity to be a camera person slash on-air person at this little mom and pop cable shop um, that Comcast eventually purchased, actually. And um, I uh, got my first on-air shot. I did my first on-air reporting because I went to the smaller guy. And then I ended up with a tape before I graduated. And that tape I took to Dallas-Fort Worth and got my first TV job. And they still, my peers were still running coffee runs. So he said, you know, go get the job that you want. Don't, you know, yes, you can climb your way up, but I wanted to climb my way up as a reporter, not as an assistant. So go get the smallest market job, far from family, far from friends and take it. You also <clears throat> have done something that I think is super notable and that's knowing when to walk away from a job. And I'm hmm. talking about your tenure on today. You made history. You were you were the first black woman to co-host the Today Show. And I read this on the internet, so it could be wrong, but <laughs> you walked away two years later because you felt they weren't giving you the role or opportunity to be the person that you wanted to be in that role. And so you walked away or decided to walk away. But why don't you tell us what what you did. And I guess the, the question I'm asking is, 
going for what you want is important, but also advocating for what you need to do to be successful is also important. So can you talk a little bit about that? I, you know, I wish it was as thoughtful and deliberate as it reads. Um, I was made an offer I could refuse, to be honest with you, meaning I had been there actually for 10 years. I'd been the co-host for the Today Show for two. And the week that um, this all went down, I my friend Savannah Guthrie had gone on maternity leave. So I filled in for her. I did all three hours of the Today Show. I then ran over, and a lot of people don't realize this, my MSNBC show was 45 minutes later. So I ran over and did an hour of news in MSNBC. And that week I filled in on the nightly news for Lester Holt. So all of the premier content of NBC I'd done that entire week and the ratings were great and everything, the reception was great. And then I got word that I would be taken off the Today Show and replaced um, with another show even though our ratings were high and up. In fact, we were number one in that slot. And even though the show was very good. And, and so I started to wonder about being a woman and a woman of color in this business. And we know the feeling of someone moving the goalpost until some point it's invisible. And I felt that the offer that was made um, to me was essentially making the goalpost invisible because what more can you do to earn, not be given, earn um, a seat at the table? And I felt before I let someone extinguish my light, I'm going to figure out a way to take my light and make sure that not only that I shine it on myself, but I shine it on things that are important to me and have the conversations like we have on this show currently. At the end of the day, it's what I owed myself. And I figured, listen, I'm at the time 46 years old. I'm a woman of a certain age. This is when they retire us out of this business. I was told early on, talk about good advice, either this business quits you or you will quit it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to quit this version, but I'm going to find a different version and one that I can have an impact and one that I can bring in other people, other so-called underdogs and bet on them. And that was the spirit of the show. Are you encouraged by the changes that you're seeing in the the business, in the media and entertainment business? I don't, there's been a lot of progress I hear uh, mm -hmm. from people who say they're gratified to see colorblind casting Bridgerton uh, on Netflix as an example and more shows where you are having people of color taking a lead role I don't know I, I haven't fought my way through the broadcast world of journalism like you have but I'm just curious 10 years ago versus today do you see there's more opportunity if you had a daughter is that a career that you would want her to go through because you think that progress is being made well, you know, if I had a daughter, I wanted to pursue whatever, because I think in, in the industry, if you look at, if you measure the, the, the forwards and the backs, I, my daughter wouldn't work. I mean, you know, this, the Fortune 500 companies aren't just flowing with black women, right? So I, I, I could never measure that or use it as a metric to encourage my daughter. She wouldn't be in any industry, to be honest with you. So I think that there are, there are moments of forward movement and then there are moments of reflection where you say, wow. ABC News for the first time has a black woman as its news president. But then you look at the industry wide and right, and there's no magic number, right? That will make us as women feel good or people of color, at least not for me. I know that there are people, I just did a, a beautiful interview with a young woman, um, Aurora James, she's a designer. And during uh, the George Floyd uh, trial and, and the coverage of his murder, she created 15% challenge 
and she challenged retailers to have 15% of the uh, products that they carry be from people or businesses of color, specifically black, because we represent 15% of the United States. Sephora was one of the first to jump on board. Others were hesitant. And, you know, we always have this complex conversation because at the end of the day, these are business people who are black. These aren't black businesses, meaning we don't want people to believe I'm a black woman who hosts a talk show. It's a talk show, right? I want anyone who likes to talk and people who don't like to talk to come on. I'm going to give you my life's lens. And that is a lens of a woman, a black woman, but a talk show is a talk show. Um, to directly answer your question, I, I can't say that there's been a groundswell when, you know, what, what, what is the number we're looking for, right? I think it is more, more wise to say, do we comfortably feel the opportunities are equal? And so for me, it's not a number. It's not how many women, it's not how many black women. It is when you look at the industry or the company or the business, do you believe that a fair shot is being given? so that people can get in the room. That's how I measure it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, this show is called I'm So Obsessed. What are you obsessed with, Tamron Hall? I am obsessed with my son. I am fascinated by the science of who we become and who we are. I, I feel like I live with a, a lab experiment every day. I love him. He's adorable and he's so cute and wonderful and all that. But I'm a very analytical person. And I sit back and I look at the formation of one's mind and how the mind works. He, he's a very rapid speaker and I have to say to him, slow down. And I see his wheels and his eyes turning at three and he picks up a car now and he looks at the wheels and he rolls the wheels and he's processing or we have an elevator near us and he's looking at the elevator and it's not just a vehicle to get from floor for him. He doesn't quite, he gets that now, but he hears the sound and the, the mechanics of it. And, and I'm fascinating. I watched this, this ultimate computer, which is what we are, right? We talk about, we are the, oh, I'm wanting a clone invented, but I'm watching the ultimate technology because we create technology. Technology doesn't create us. And I get to watch it in this weird way that my husband thinks I'm losing it, but I, I'm studying this kid and he's like, well, just hug him. I'm like, I do, but I'm looking at his little eyes and he's, he's a fascinating thing that I sometimes, I think I underappreciated that part of the journey. I knew I'd love him. I knew it'd be unconditional love, but to watch a human mind develop and grow and wonder what he will develop and grow is fascinating. And I'm obsessed with that part. Well, I hope you're writing letters to him and that you're putting them away and then he could read later when he's I'm an adult. I'm not. I'm, you know what? Uh, I'm, I have this fear of dying 
And I think the minute I write something down, that starts to the clock. I know that's so weird, but it is true. And I have, I'm being very honest and vulnerable. I have not told anybody this other than my family. They know it. I journal and I diary, but I've, I, I've wanted to write letters to him, but I, I am super superstitious that somehow it starts this weird clock. So he's got a lot of TV to watch. He'll have this interview on this podcast to listen to, and he'll hear my answer to Connie's question many years from now on something called some device that's not iPhone. And he'll say, look, there you go. There's my mom in that podcast interview she did years ago when she was asked this question. That's why I don't have letters. <laughs> okay, well, and hopefully maybe his... Um embrace of the world around him will lead him to invent some amazing aspect of the future a hologram of mom we have a lot of tech on our site so i want to ask you a few tech questions what what is your favorite piece of technology my iphone because i can't leave home without it i, I mean it is it's a lifeline it's a lifeline if i'm in an emergency just like any other cell phone but it's also a tool i use to create content to find content it's my newspaper. It's my magazine. It's it's everything. It is. It's. Uh, I was just watching uh, this uh, show, Made for Love. It's all about. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's so freaking good. Um, and a new season. I'm like, can they send me all of the episodes? I can't take waiting on this. Um, it's always a fascinating relationship we have with technology. But for me, it is my uh, my my iPhone. I actually also have uh, the Google Pixel, which yeah, talk about technology. I am not susceptible to advertising in any way. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, they make a commercial about the, the lighting of that camera capturing all hues. I went and bought the phone the next day. I have two phones now. I don't know why. I feel like you know, Richie Rich walking around with two phones a minute. But I, that's an example of how technology and marketing of technology can lure you in. And I bought the phone as a result of it. Well, the Pixel Move is right because of the camera. People yeah. buy their... Their phones now are their cameras as well. And when you say this camera, again, all things equal, can make you look as beautiful as somebody a different shade or brown skin, then you're it. If you could have a piece of technology invented just for you, what would it be? A clone, and an actual, a clone though with feelings. And AI, I need something AI, not metaverse. I need something that you can touch that feels and can do certain things like, I have two shows today. I'm lucky enough to present at the Variety Women's of Power event. Maybe the clone would do that, but it would still be heartfelt. And I could see what the clone is doing, but I could also be home with my son. So two well, places at once. Okay. The clone would be you. So it would be- The clone would be me. Not like, yeah, not AI mechanical, not ex machina, nothing like that. But I could feel and it wouldn't be creepy and she could show up for things. And it would count as me because she has a heart. So maybe a digital projection of you. No, that's a little creepy. Even when I see it at Coachella. <laughs> okay. okay. We're, we're coming up with it. It's a work in progress, Connie. <laughs> well, I'm just throwing it out there because if someone hears it and they want to go invent it, they know they have uh, a beta tester right there. In <laughs> there you have it. I'm here. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tamron Hall, for your time. Really appreciate it and enjoy the conversation. Oh, thank you. Be well. Thank you to Tamron Hall for talking to me, and thank you for listening. I'm So Obsessed was created by our executive producer, Danielle Ramirez. Our editor and lead producer is Sophia Fox Sowell, and this episode was produced by Rebecca Fleener. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app, and follow the show on Twitter at I'm So Obsessed Pod. Until next time, take care.